Thank you so much for tuning in to this particular message that's going to happen. And, and if you want to hear more about this, I would encourage you um, to check out the video that will be posted after this, more of a, a full version of this topic and addressing it and just talking about its application later on. But before we go any further, let's pray together. God, we pray that you will help us to determine and discern and to understand and to apply your will from this message. So Lord, help us to understand its point and its meaning and what it means for us and how we can help others draw closer to you and bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, when you talk about sin, we know that sin is so bad for us and it's just can be devastating. Here's some reasons why. When, when we sin, what happens with sin is it breaks our relationship with God and others. It creates these divides. Now there are generally three categories that sin can be placed in. There's original sin, which the scripture tells us is passed down through the mail, that we're all born with. None of us are born perfect and holy. That was only for Jesus. But we know that there's original sin. Every person has original sin, which they must be forgiven for. Then there's two other categories, the sins of iniquity, which, which, which are the sins that we do inside our hearts and in our minds, the things that we think and feel, sort of we wish for or wish against. Those are what the Bible calls sins of iniquity. Then there's the sins of transgression, which is willful rebellion, sins of omission and commission against God's will and what the Bible says is true. So you've got original sin, which we all have, You've got sins of iniquity that happen on the inside that you think no one sees or no one knows or doesn't hurt anyone, but it does. Then there's the sins of transgression, which are those things which you do with your body and that you act out on that cause that. We, we all have to deal not only with our own sin, but the sin of others. But here's the good news about sin. Um, we can, through the one thing, be sin-free through the Christ that's in me. So, and, and the reason I say that kind of in the, in the first person is because I'm a Christian and I'm saved. And I know that I am saved by grace through faith and that Jesus Christ has lived and died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and was risen by the power of God. Which tells me that I can more and more be sin-free through Jesus Christ. And, and this first person phrasing is the same for you. You can be sin-free through Jesus Christ. Now not temptation free. Not temptation free. But your temptations don't have to grow into sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give into temptation. And Jesus Christ can help us in those things. It is possible to suffer less and less because of sin. But the trade-off in that we're going to see in Scripture is that your flesh is going to have to suffer. The, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's going to have to suffer so the sin doesn't prevail in your life. So let me say this part to you about salvation. You will not win the war against sin by sheer willpower. You won't. You will not be able to just simply go, I'm not going to give in to temptation simply because I will it. You need the power of Jesus Christ in your life, which only comes through salvation. Only comes by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. By, by believing in your heart that God raised you from the dead, then you'll be saved. Then Christ will dwell in through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll have the tools that you need to, to overcome sin that is in your life. 
through the power of Jesus Christ. You can't just willpower. You can't bootstrap it. You can't just commit it. You need something greater than yourself to overcome that sin. It's salvation. Now, let me give you some context of where sin plays with us and messes with us in our life. Who you live for will determine the intensity of your suffering and your joy. If you live for yourself, if you live for Jesus, live for your kids, live for your job, work every week, so for the weekend, money in, money out, who you live for will determine the intensity of your suffering and your joy. And there will always be suffering in your life, this side of heaven, and there will always be joy that could permeate no matter what the circumstances exist. So you just got to wrestle with the question, who do you live for? So let's look at um, verse 1 of chapter 4 in 1 Peter. When it talks about this concept of sin and sin ceasing in our life. So, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, Christians. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So here, here's the middle part of this verse that helps us. You've got to arm yourself with the same thinking of Jesus. Which is what? That I suffer, that I allow my flesh not to rule me. Uh, maybe you'd say it this way. Christ endured a whole lot of discomfort in the flesh to say the least. Thinking of Easter in his life. So that he could commit himself and his will to bring God glory and make disciples. So when we purposefully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, suffer in the body in order to do God's will, God will help us to resist sin. That's the thinking of Jesus. He's not going to have a home. He's not going to have a place to lay his head. He's not going to pursue after um, all these other things that the world says is pleasures. When, when the devil sent to him going, I'll give you all the kingdoms. Use your miraculous power to feed yourself. Use your miraculous power to save yourself when you jump off this highest point of the temple. And Jesus was like, no, I'm here to do the will of God. I'm here to do what he wants. So in this thinking of Jesus, he's like, look, I've got to mortify the flesh. I've got to resist sin by putting my flesh down, which is always screaming and pushing after me to want to do those things which gratify myself instead of glorify who God is. So what does it take to cease sinning. What does it take to seek, see sinning? It takes the heart. It takes the mind. It takes the soul. It takes the strength of Jesus Christ as modeled in the Bible and by maturing Christians. So you've got to think like Christ and feel like Christ and act like Christ and do like Christ in order for sin to cease. Now remember, sin is seeking to destroy you. Not only to keep you out of heaven and separated from God, but to break every work relationship and spousal relationship that you have in your life. So when it comes to that, I would say to you, become more like Jesus Christ. So, based on this message, what can you do to bring God glory and make disciples? What can you do that would help you to cease from sinning? Because you can't just sheer willpower it. Let's talk about a couple of things. First of all, your worship. You've got to arm yourself with the mind of Christ. What does the Bible say that Jesus would think, say, and do in this situation? Then you think it, you say it, and you do it. Jesus Christ is the only person who ever lived on the planet to perfectly handle, deal with, 
and overcome sin. He was sin free. So we follow his model and example. As the scripture says, we arm ourselves with his thinking. So you've got to prepare for the battle in your private devotions, in your church worship, in person, with other Christians, learning, in Bible studies, having people over for meals, so that you can begin to determine what God has in store and how Jesus responded to life in all of the Bible. And next, when you're out in the community, how can you respond to these scriptures in that way? And first of all, it's easier said than done. I can already hear now. You, you sin less and less. You sin less and less. You make a commitment to not do your will, but God's. You rely on the power of God to overcome temptation so it doesn't turn into sin. You might win the battle for a day on your own willpower. You might win the battle by happenstance for a moment. But if you really want to overcome sin, which is destroying your soul, eating away cavities of despair, and leaving that behind then you've got to rely on the power of God to help you. And you can, it wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't, you can actually sin less and less. Cannot give in to temptation more and more. And that is some of the ways we can do it. So let's look at the one thing one last time. This is really the key here. The key to being sin free is through Christ in me. You should write that down somewhere. You should have that somewhere you could see. But Christ in me through salvation as a Christian that I can be sin free. And you just work on that more and more. It'll be a lifelong journey. Some things God's going to bam miraculously free you from. Other things it's going to take time to grow through it and to mature in it. Let's pray together. God we pray that first of all those who aren't Christians will be saved. They will become Christians and be forgiven of all of their sins all of their sins to take place in their lives, past, present, and future. And for those of us who are Christians, we pray for them that you would help them to mature and to not give in to temptation and not let that little seed of temptation grow into full-blown sin. So God, as Christians, strengthen us and help us, help us to live in such a way that encourages people to sin less as we're doing that in our life, to make margin and space in our lives for that. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.